0: Hi, and welcome to a brand new episode of The Art of Customer Service brought to you by the Compact. Uh. Let's get started. My name is Eric Pfannmüller. I'm your host on this show, a former Canoeing World Champion, father of three, and founder of SolveMate, a leading platform for customer service automation. On our platform, powered by Smart Conversation AI, we allow companies to deliver quality customer service As you know, on The Art of Customer Service, I talk to experts about what makes good customer service, which tools and practices are relevant, which new technologies are available in the customer service area, and many other exciting topics around a great service experience. Before we get to it, do you like the show? In case you do, feel free to leave five stars on the streaming service of your choice. Today's episode on The Art of Customer Service is all about the value of customer feedback. My guest today is Cindy Engelmann, Customer and Partner Experience Manager from Microsoft Germany. In this episode, we will be talking about the importance of feedback, how to get feedback, how to distinguish valuable and invaluable feedback, and to make feedback actionable. So everything on this show today will be around the value of feedback. Stay tuned to learn more. And now I wanna welcome my guest, Cindy, Welcome on the show today.
1: Hi, Eric. Thanks for having me.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Great to have you on board. Before we start, can you give us a quick background on yourself and a customer experience that you personally had that was great?
1: Sure. Let me start with a quick introduction. So I'm Cindy Engelmann. I'm currently working for Microsoft since the last two and a half years as a customer and partner experience manager. So very familiar with the whole topic of customer satisfaction, customer feedback. That's what I'm doing every day. So happy to talk to you about that topic. Before starting at Microsoft, I had several stations at Ferrero where I worked in the marketing department and was responsible for new products. So also their customer feedback was highly valuable to see if products would fit to the German market. I had a station at Douglas working for the international marketing department, joined marketing consultancy, and then made a switch from marketing to sales working for Nestle and joined their key account management department for chocolate and confectionery, and besides eating a lot of chocolate it was good to also see the
0: (laughs) I was about to ask about Ferrero and chocolates on this you can
1: see that I based my decisions not just on the company itself but also on the products they do because I do believe that a chocolate a day also keeps the doctor away if you can say it like that (laughs) (laughs) awesome but yes so I also saw the sales department there also got a lot of customer feedback and it was great to see that it's really a relationship there stands out. And with Nestle, it was B2B. Also with Microsoft now, it's B2B. So that's where my focus is. And I like that approach of seeing both sides the customer and the B2B side. And yes, with that, I'm here now at Microsoft, sitting in beautiful Munich and looking forward to talk to you.
0: Awesome. So we see that we get a very experienced person on the other side. So we both live and breathe customer feedback and customer experience. How would you define at Microsoft a great customer experience?
1: You asked me about my personal best customer experience, right? And I want to give you an answer before I go to the Microsoft part. And... To be honest, it's hard to tell you the best customer experience I had because I think we live in a world where we take a good customer experience for granted. So if you would ask me about...
0: Let let me pause here, Cindy, not to interrupt you. But this is an important one. I asked you for your best customer service experience. And you don't recognize the best one, but you say you take it for granted. Mm -hmm. Everyone who's listening to the podcast, I think that's the first important insight that a great experience is good and you typically don't remember it, meaning you probably also give less feedback on a positive experience. So there should be a bias between giving positive feedback and giving negative feedback. But we come to that later. Please go on.
1: Right. And that's uh, exactly the point I wanted to make. So if you would have asked me for my worst customer experience, I would probably name you a few. So they stick in your head. When you ask about the good one, as you said, you don't remember that so well, but I would say to classify it, I think whenever company or a person sees me as a person and sees me as Cindy Engelmann, so remembers me, knows who I am, and then engages with me personally. That's why I think good to great customer experience comes across.
0: So it's very important to have a personalized experience and to treat people in a human empathetic way. Understood. What does great customer experience mean at Microsoft? How do you define that? Is there a definition of a great customer experience?
1: So for us at Microsoft, we define customer experience really as understanding our customers' undefined needs. So that's how our CEO Satya Nadella put it. They said that we need to know the customer some sort of better than the customer knows themselves. And we have five principles where we say our customer experience can be measured on or what we want to achieve. And that is, we want to know the customer. So the customer should have the feeling that Microsoft knows me. The second was that Microsoft guides me. The third one, Microsoft supports me. Very crucial part when you talk about customer experience where problems can arise and we're all not perfect, but if I have a person or a company that supports me, I value that. Then they want Microsoft to modernize me and last but not least, transform me. As we say, we are advisor for our customers that we going to interact with every day and we want to help them to move forward in the digital transformation. So putting these five together, know me, guide me, support me, modernize me and transform me. If we manage that, I think a great connected customer experience comes out on the other side for the customer hopefully.
0: Awesome, Cindy. You just made my job in summarizing what you (laughs) said by repeating the five principles. That's awesome. I just had a reference to one of our former episodes with Matt Dixon, where we talk about the effortless experience. And Matt said something very similar to you, which was about anticipating the customer's needs. Back then, it was this example, if you remember, as an active listener with a vacuum cleaner, where the guy or the person on the phone said, I'm going to send you this small repair part twice because it breaks quite often which is anticipating a customer's need. And this is one of those moments when I think, like, they don't even know me. As you said, they, like, they transform how I feel about this. And probably transforming is more meant in a digital way at Microsoft. But this is a great experience that you might remember. So customer experience is about anticipating the unmet needs.
1: Right. I couldn't have said it better. And it's the hardest part, right? So to know you about what you haven't told me, that's hard. But that's, I think, what is going to be a very important area of customer experience in a digital age moving forward.
0: That is the right thing. In our digital age, customer experience is one of the key differentiators. Let's jump into the secret sauce. Why is feedback so important?
1: I think feedback is so important because we need to really take every customer individually and get to know every customer on their individual needs, individual problems, individual goals and ask them, hey, what do you want to achieve over the next years? What is your business model going to look like? Because we at Microsoft, we really see us as a trusted advisor, as a partner for the customer to go the way together with them. We don't want to just sell our products. Of course, that's nice if that comes about them as well. And we are revenue driven for sure. But we really want to empower. And that's a great sentence. What I like about our mission statement at Microsoft is we want to empower every person and organization on the planet to achieve more. So it's really about that you tell us what do you want to achieve and how can we help you achieving that. So we need your feedback on what do you want to know, what you want to do, and what's working, what's not working. So positive and negative feedback, highly welcome, as long as it helps us to support you in your digital transformation.
0: And feedback is a piece of information that leads to long-term learning. We also have a feedback culture at SolveMate, and we say giving feedback is deeply caring about a person for their long-term success, which is why you should give positive and negative feedback uh, to colleagues. And other colleagues should take that feedback, but also have the right to say it's not the right time to get feedback and to just say thank you and digest it. And as you just said, work, learn over time. So, when we talk about customers, what is best practices to collect feedback from them?
1: I think in a company at Microsoft but in general a big corporation, I would say you have various channels to give feedback. And as you said, it really depends at which customer lifecycle stage you are in, who to talk to, how to give feedback in order to make it valuable. So you have different scenarios. When I think about for us working with big corporations, B2B, I think getting to know your key account team. That's one of the sources where feedback becomes crucial because they work together with the customer virtually and in person daily. So they get the feedback firsthand. However, this is not where it stops. I think when you then come to a point and also here problems can arise, services don't work. So you need to have a customer support service where you only engage if there's something not working the way you want it to work. That's where this feedback becomes value. So it's specific to a case, not the overall relationship When you have a product feature, it's more really related to the product. So you probably will also give feedback through the product. So with Teams, we have this little sticky note where it says like, hey, are you satisfied? Yes, no take a second to just answer that to make us better. And us as the customer and partner experience manager in Germany, for me, it's the task to channel all these different feedbacks that we get from so many different sources. And then to, as you said it before, really crisp out what is valuable, what is not so valuable. And with valuable, I mean taking it from the individual customer feedback to the systematic or non-systematic feedback that we gather through the different sources and then decide what is something that we can act locally on what is something that we're already doing good i think we're in some cases are very biased to as we started the episode with to focus only on the negative feedback that we receive because this is where we can learn from more I do believe so it's still important to recognize all the good stuff that we're doing and to really also emphasize what is positive customer feedback and what does the customer want us to do more of and then decide is that something we can do locally or on a global level so also being very connected to the other subsidiaries where we're working.
0: You are anticipating my next question (laughs) and this was about rolling feedback upwards. So in small companies, you get feedback, you can directly talk to the CEO and you got maybe one product line. You at Microsoft, you have probably a key account relationship and then you have the users of the key account. So you have multiple sources of feedback. Do you have something like a centralized customer dashboard where you can see all this feedback and then you said you need to digest it? Do you have something helping you digest it to filter out feedback, maybe something automatic. And I will come to rolling it upwards
1: later. Perfect. I'm happy to discuss both with you, starting with the automation and to also channel the feedback and knowing where it sits. Also there with Microsoft, it's very complex. And you would imagine that we have several dashboards as we also have Power BI. So several visuals that can show you <laughs> customer <laughs> feedback in every sort of way, which is good. It doesn't make it easier to, as you said, coming to the point, what is really valuable and crisp. What we do try, and I like that approach, is to start with each and every function and segment we have. So if you talk about customer service, for us, it's really about when something doesn't go the way the customer expected. They can open a ticket, they can get the direct feedback on, is the ticket currently working on? Who's going to be the support engineer supporting you with that case? So this is one, I would say, channel where feedback becomes very crucial. However, we also have checkpoints with customers where we ask them about their direct feedback on a regular basis. So this is then, as you said, for the key account management, more important to do quarterly check-ins, for example, to really see, are we still aligned on what we're working on? So we are also trying to ask proactively about feedback, not just waiting for the customer to come to us. And then the next level of that, and I love that what we have been building for the last years on a worldwide level is we builded something up that is called the satisfaction predictor. So, his name is Zolta. I like that because it's, I think, connected to a Greek future looking god. So, this satisfaction predictor takes over 200 customer data, feedback, product usage, and more, and then would Give you a customer risk score, which would tell you if the customer would be asked today, how is your satisfaction with Microsoft? This predictor could tell you that they have a good customer affection or a bad customer satisfaction.
0: That is awesome. We at SolveMate, we are a much smaller company <laughs> than Microsoft, of course. And we have something, we didn't give it a, a cool Greek ancient name, we just called it a customer health score. Mm-hmm. You know, we take 14 data points on our site and then we normalize them to scores. And then we take an average score, which is weighted, which gets to a number between zero and 100. And 100 would be, you are a raving fan. And I think I typically never see something below 60, but it's about a relative ranking.
1: Not in Germany, at least.
0: (laughs) But it gives us a relative ranking on which client could potentially be unhappy. And then you can drill down on, yeah, but in which dimension are they currently unhappy? And, you know, there is always different root causes. So probably it's a magnitude cooler what you do at Microsoft with Salto. But I think for the listeners, it is important to not only take customer service, that means people call you when something goes wrong, but also to proactively, in certain intervals, ask people on how they feel. And on top of that, we had this earlier in the conversation to find out who is happy and who might not be happy because you have indicators of something's not going right and to then proactively call them up. And that's what we at Saltmate do. You know, we're a customer service automation company, but we live and breathe customer service. We call people up and say, we think this is what you should do because we see numbers go in a certain direction to kind of guide them actively. So that's great. A satisfaction predictor is clearly best practice. Any other best practices that you can or want to share here?
1: I think another best practice, and this is not a service or a program a visualization. It's more about the mindset that we live at Microsoft. And this is, and you related to that earlier, is the mindset that we have that it starts from the top to bottom. And it's really that feedback is being breathing through all the Microsoft employees and that they also internally see that feedback is taken very seriously and to be acted upon. So what we have is regular checkpoints with other countries, with our headquarters in the US, where we give feedback where feedback is going to be asked from our leadership team to really also internally have that mindset that if you give feedback, it's going to be listened and it's going to be acted upon. Because I think when you have the feeling that the points you're going to mention or something you want to change is really taken seriously, you also open up more to your customers and tell them, hey, it's worth giving us your feedback because we could tell you we are having the possibility to change something based on your input.
0: You mentioned leadership team. So what's the role of the leadership team in feedback?
1: I think the role of the leadership team in feedback is crucial. So for us, having Satya Nadella as our CEO is having such an impact on the way we act, work and also think about Customer feedback because he really embedded that motion or that mindset of being customer obsessed, being customer centric, and really actively listening to what our customers want and need. And as I said before, it's really about then best class to meet the unsaid needs that the customers haven't told us, but that we, from listening to what their problems are, are going to identify ourselves. So he also gives us the urge to start with a beginner's mindset. He says, we are not a know-it-all, we are a learn-it-all culture. So we're going to get out there. We're going to listen to our customers. We're going to get feedback from them, what is needed to make them successful. And then after that, go back internally and see how our product range, our services can help exactly solving the problems or the future needs that our customers have.
0: Awesome. I love the not a know-it-all, but a learn-it-all culture. So company culture, it's also a topic of my personal life and personal importance. We are very obsessed with company culture at SolveMate and doing the right things and working ethically and having a growth mindset. Being curious is one of our core values. If you start I know-it-all You are not listening to feedback because you feel you already know it. But if you say, I'm open to learn, I'm curious, I'm taking a feedback as a personal growth opportunity and personal growth opportunities lead to company growth opportunities, that's a mindset question. So best practice, very clearly, feedback and learning culture, which also must be management involved. Right. We talked about feedback and I have the feeling, and not a feeling sometimes people just need to rant about things, which sometimes is invaluable feedback. It's important to solve that in customer service, but it's not a feedback. How do you distinguish invaluable feedback from valuable feedback?
1: So I think we have two dimensions here. And the first one, as you said, sometimes a customer has a bad day and just wants to tell us what he thinks, right? What we have to decide, and that kind of makes it valuable, invaluable, if it's honest feedback or not honest feedback so you can have a bad day and something's not working but actually overall you're pretty satisfied because it doesn't have that much meaning right so putting it in the whole customer journey and seeing if that's really true what has been said is that something valuable that's i think the first point and then the second dimension that I would add to that is to quantify or to come from a individual feedback. And we see every feedback as a gift. And I think every feedback is worth to listen to. And then as a later step, you can decide, okay, is that something we need to act on? Is that something very urgently or long term dependent? But take every feedback individually, then identify pattern. And then decide, is it systematically or non-systematically? That's something where we classify valuable from invaluable. So what is something that we see more often? And then to really take the big buckets and work with the feedback that we get from several customers.
0: And this is done in your mind and in the minds of your colleagues? I mean, it's, of course, identifying pattern. You said nicely systematic and unsystematic issues. So is there a certain process or review process where you kind of add customer feedback to a certain agenda point where probably like in a meeting of team leads or country heads, That feedback, like it's first of all to be distilled to a single bullet point, which of course has rationale and arguments, but how is that working and how do you roll this upwards?
1: I love that question. And I love the fact that actually that's exactly what we're doing at Microsoft is to embed customer and also partner insights as we are the Broad partner spectrum as well that we work together with, but embed all the customer insights, customer feedback in each and every review that we have. And then we go back to the leadership principle. It's forced by our leadership to make sure that. Whenever we have a feedback session, we talk about the customer and partner insights first. And then we go down to what are product-related issues, what are segment-related issues. So is it about big customers or small customers? But to really always start the conversations, hey, what have our customers been telling us over the last quarters and then at the later stage on the page going to tell what are we going to do about it and classify is that something that we locally going to work on or is that something that through these review sessions going to take to our headquarter and tell them hey this is something we see not just in Germany but also in France, UK and all parts of the world so it's a bigger deal so please we have to solve that globally. But it's forced in every single meeting to make sure that customer feedback is embedded there. And I love that.
0: That is a very strict rule of talking in every meeting about customer feedback first and derive actions from that. We at SolveMate, we also have a bi-weekly, you know, we're not such a big organization, but there is a meeting where you have an agenda point and on each agenda point that you're adding, we will talk about it and it's documented. And then we jointly, as a group of multiple departments from sales and marketing and product, we talk about this and then digest it and, as you said, decide whether it's systematic or unsystematic or structural or strategic or not
1: right I think adding one layer to that and here comes the crucial part to really also make it a great customer experience is to then go back to the customer and close the loop with them. So it's nice that we're talking about customer experience at Microsoft in every review we have with other subsidiaries on the leadership team, but it doesn't help if the customer in the end doesn't see that it got him further and that he sees the value to give feedback in the first place to us. So closing the loop, I think, then is the... Last piece missing to really make it a great customer experience.
0: And closing the loop is the extra effort. It is. Because it's the back channel that sometimes, you know, you talk to people and then something happens. And then a few months later, you think, well, but we talked about this a few months ago. Kind of back channeling. I thought about this. I want to get back to you. It's something like, a, as you said, closing the loop. And it, it's very satisfying if I'm sometimes receiving those messages. Hey, we talked about this. I want to back channel this to you. It's, it's also a favor that you sometimes do to colleagues. If you talk, about something in a meeting and working with colleagues is also like feedback culture. So it's very related. And a few weeks later, your back channel information, by the way, we talked about this. This is information I just provided to you. This is closing the loop. Closing the loop takes the extra effort, but probably that's a good return on investment, at least what I hear from what you say.
1: I do believe so. And I do agree that it takes effort. It takes time. And there again, you also, I think sometimes... Forget about it, right? Because when something is working again, as we said, it doesn't stick to our mind. So we don't see the necessity to go back and speak about something that has been fixed because there's probably already the next problem coming up. But to step back, take the time, take the effort and say like, okay, We might not have solved everything but we came from point a now to point b is something that we should recognize and also tell our customers to tell them hey we're working on your best interest and we are on this journey with you together
0: awesome a very provocative question what's more important good or bad feedback
1: oh that's a hard one and
0: i know if you need to decide what's better And don't give me the the it depends answer.
1: No, I got to get you the answer and decide. I say it's (laughs) bad feedback, but as I said before, even more important if it's honest or not honest feedback. So it needs to be honest. And if it's honest, if that criteria is met, most important then I would say it's bad feedback that we can learn more from.
0: Great answer. You know, I didn't thought about my answer when posing you that question.
1: What would your answer be?
0: I think you can measure great feedback because you see awesome KPIs. If people are buying more, upselling, doing more revenue, it's like a positive thing you can measure. So you can measure customers' happiness by their implicit actions. It's hard to measure unhappiness because it typically arises in someone before they take an action, which is churning or canceling the service. So I would say it's bad. And I really like the addition that it's about honesty, talking about the true intentions and not about overarching emotions and giving true feedback. That's a good one. So I want to come to like the last section, which is about giving feedback. And we talked about customer experience. And sometimes when you are with a customer and customers give you feedback, meaning, well, I want to have X, Y, and that, and it is just not possible or it is, you know, just not viable economically. How do you give customers feedback? What are your principles?
1: I think here it comes back to our principle of being a trusted advisor and being a partner for our customers. So we really see us as a, a partner in their digital transformation. And I think having a partnership for me means being transparent. And here, I think it sets in that you need to be transparent with the customer. And with transparency, I mean, not giving the feedback, hey, this is just not working. Hey, this is just not what we're going to do, but to explain the reasoning behind it. And if you see it from that perspective, that you're in this boat together, and you're a partner to the customer, telling them, we're going to do this and this and this, or we're not going to do this and this and this," but based on the following reasons, I think then feedback is handled way better and the customer understands why something is happening or not happening and then you can still agree or disagree but you need to have this transparency in place that it's also okay to challenge the customer in some sort of way and to tell them hey you are king for us but maybe you don't see this path that we can go together but are only focused on that one so coming back to that partnership approach discussing ideas finding out new ways but always keeping in mind that we're in this together and that we are partner I think then feedback comes up to a way new level because then it's a two-way street it's good as well as bad and always based on Honesty and transparency.
0: Probably the values of honesty and transparency are always a good (laughs) thing to work in a customer relationship. Now you are in a B two B world, which I can totally relate. That you you jump on a call, you explain reasoning, you have time to sort your arguments. Let's quickly abstract this to a customer service situation. Where think about you're a customer of an e commerce company, and how can a company say, we are your trusted advisor and partner, but ultimately the the customer just wants to get a package delivered and they are annoyed because it didn't arrive on time. What would you argue to, let's say, a customer service organization saying, I'm not having time to discuss all my rational, you know, it just doesn't work. What would you say?
1: I think here, again, the transparency piece is so crucial. Of course, you don't want to spend hours in a customer service loop, right? The best customer service is no customer service if everything is working fine and you don't have any issues. (laughs) But as I said in the beginning, I think if I have the experience that the company knows me and tells me, hey, Cindy, we know that we're going to be late. We're completely sorry. We're working on that. We're going to be there in X, Y, Z, being transparent about what has happened. Why has it happened? When is it going to be ready? I think I, as a customer in a B2C world, would value that way more than this standardized answer like, hey, I'm sorry, your package is delayed. Give you an update in a couple of days. And
0: then you should close the loop actively, (laughs) right? Right, right.
1: (laughs) So yes, I think really this personalization, individualization to coming back to this know me, guide me, support me, modernize me, transform me as we are at Microsoft, you can directly translate that to B2C as well, right? So the company should still know me. I placed my order. They know who I am. So they should also act in a way as if they would know me, even though they might not know me that well as I would love them to know me, but to give me at least the feeling that I'm seen as a person being individualized and to give me the transparency of what's happening on their end that's what I would value as good customer experience and where I would give five stars
0: great Cindy you know what time is flying by in our conversation I want to end with the last personal question what was the most valuable feedback that you got yourself
1: wow that's a very tough one
0: I know, you can take some seconds.
1: (laughs) Please let me do so. I need to think about that for a while. I do believe, and I don't want to brag, but the positive feedback that I got from several people, and I think that's probably why it sticks out to me, is that friends as well as colleagues said to me that I'm very empathetic and that I listen to others' needs and that I love to know what others' problems are and to help them is feedback that I love to get, but I also try to make that my strength. So that's why I love working at the customer experience department at Microsoft, because it's my daily job to listen to others, persons, problems, need, but also positive moments. And to help them being better is a great place to work for me. It gives me a lot of fun and energy. And when I then get the feedback that I'm also good at that, that's perfect.
0: Awesome. I think that's why you're good in your job. And that's why you're exactly working as a customer experience manager, because you take feedback valuable. So now we're at the end. So let me quickly summarize what we talked about. We talked about the five principles of customer service, knowing, guiding, supporting, modernizing, and transforming customers. We talked about that feedback will improve an organization and people in the long term. We talked about the point that there's types of feedback. Customer service happens when something goes wrong because the best service is no service. Nobody wants to call a hotline or write a message or contact Cindy and say something is wrong. Can you help me? And there is proactive feedback where we actively ask for how do you feel about that? Also, there is a bias towards negative feedback being overrepresented because most people don't call you up and say, I think you made a great job. With regards to best practices, companies should have a satisfaction predictor. They should have a feedback And learning culture, they should embed customer feedback in each and every meeting as the first agenda point before they talk about actions that they take out of that. And very clearly, leadership enables feedback culture, which ultimately also leads to closing the loop at the end. I like what you said about taking feedback as a gift, identify patterns and then distinguish systematic and unsystematic issues. And ultimately, being a trusted advisor and partner, both as a key account manager and as a customer service agent, that's important. Thank you, Cindy Engelmann, Customer Experience Manager from Microsoft Germany, to be on the show today.
1: Thank you, Eric. It was a pleasure being here. And I'm looking forward to listen to all the upcoming episodes that are going to be out there because I think we are still a learn-it-all. So I'm happy to learn more from all your future guests as well. And Please keep doing what you're doing. It's a pleasure to be in your podcast.
0: Thank you. Danke fürs Zuhören beim Digital Kompakt Podcast. Du merkst, hier ziehst du massig Wissen für dich und dein Unternehmen heraus. Wenn du mit uns noch erfolgreicher werden möchtest, abonniere uns auf den gängigen Podcast Plattformen. Und hey, je größer wir werden, desto mehr Menschen können wir helfen. Also erzähl doch auch deinen Kolleginnen und Kollegen von uns.